Today we get to go to a party. Even if it's snowing outside, even if we're worried about what might be next for us, we get to go to a party. How long since, it's, since you've been to a real party? Like a real party with no mask and people, food and drinks and fellowship and fun. Do you remember what that used to feel like? It's been so long for most of us. People talking, people engaging, people rejoicing in life. Actually, today we get to go to a wedding. Not just to a party, a wedding. So many weddings, so many parties have been postponed because of the pandemic. We're not really going to a party or a wedding, but we have one in Scripture. It's the story of Jesus at a wedding in a little town called Cana that comes to us from the second chapter of John. Listen to this story. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you, to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the, waters, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. So we've said before that when Christ appears on the scene at the beginning of all four of the Gospels, he comes to inaugurate a new era, a new order, God's reign, fully and finally. And we've already heard in John chapter 1 that Jesus comes with grace and with truth. And then by chapter 2, we have an example of what his coming with grace and truth actually looks like. He turns water into wine at a wedding. And look, it's not just about water to wine, though that's an amazing miracle in itself. It's not just a wow moment so that we'll be impressed with Jesus. The water to wine miracle is an embodiment of this inauguration of the new era, the new uh, season that comes in Jesus. It's a depiction of God coming to redeem the world. Water to wine, Jesus coming to redeem the world. As we read in this passage, this is the first of the signs to reveal his glory, to show who he is. To show what he's about, new wine, new way, Jesus' way. So let's look briefly at this little passage. The passage starts out with some words that should immediately get our attention, but they're often 
missed, especially in a quick reading. On the third day, a wedding. On the third day, wait, that should alert Christians to the supreme event of our faith. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. On the third day, Easter. On the third day, darkness and death have no more power. On the third day, we get the affirmation, God reigns. This is God world, God's world and God reigns. According to the commentator Dale Bruner, this little phrase, on the third day, throws a resurrection horror over this simple story of a wedding in a nondescript town in Galilee. There's so much going on here. There's so much more going on here than a simple wedding and water to wine with Jesus on the scene. God is making a major point about who's in charge and what life's about and God's new way, new era dawning. Then, Let's think about this scene a little bit more, the wine running out. No more wine at a wedding is certainly an inconvenience. Wine running out at this wedding is clearly an embarrassment to the chief steward and the host and a concern to Jesus' mother who's there. No more wine would certainly mean no more party, which would be an unhappy event for both the bride and the groom and all their guests. But remember... This is not just about the wedding. The fact that the wine runs out is really a metaphor for so much more. When Jesus' mother says, they have no more wine, it could be a metaphor for anything that is sad or bad or unfortunate or grief-filled for all of us. A metaphor. This is how it often goes, right? We're celebrating But then grief emerges. We were singing, and now our thoughts are turning to only sadness. We hear the words, no more wine. It's really a metaphor for the shift in life that invariably comes to all of us. We were happy, and we were hearty, but then loss, change, challenge, heartache, and it starts another unwanted chapter. Or it can be even bigger than our particular lives, more prominent. We want to live in a better society. But polarization and party politics keep us stuck, and our democracy seems to be all teetering. We want to live in a wholesome, safe culture, but guns and death And death from gun violence especially remain at epidemic proportions. Our scripture today is about a story of a wedding and wine. But it's really about Jesus coming with grace and truth to make things right. To bring about life and light for all. And Jesus comes to call forth the very best from each one of us. To be part of this redeeming work in the world. Here's the deal. We live in a wonderful world, but very often it's not wonderful. It's full of heartache and 
loss and deep grief. This little story about the wedding and the wine running out wants to teach us something very big and something very important. As wonderful as the world is, what is going on in the world far, falls far short of what God intends for all of us. The wine is out, but not to worry. Jesus comes full of grace and truth. And Jesus comes to call forth grace and truth from us in our lives and in our loving and serving. So the depletion of the wine could be a metaphor of anything in our lives or in our world where we feel depleted, where we feel empty, where we feel lost. But not to worry. Jesus is on the scene. And Jesus comes to redeem. Jesus comes to bring light and hope. Are we going to go with Jesus? That's the lingering question. Are we going to go with Jesus? And the importance of this message gets reiterated as the story unfolds. And the images in this story are super vivid. Quote, now standing there were six stone water jars set aside for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus says, fill those jars with water, and they fill them right up to the brim. When we find ourselves with such a dilemma, an uncertainty, or maybe even a crisis moment, an unsettling situation, whatever it might be, we often turn to familiar ways. Maybe we turn to religious rites. Maybe we we turn to religion. Maybe we turn to some old way. This past week, in a column in the New York Times, David Brooks makes the case that America is falling apart at the seams. His point, all kinds of Bad behavior are on the rise. Teachers are facing terrific challenges. Drug use and drug overdoses are escalating. Hate crimes are surging. The numbers of guns purchased has soared. And evidence shows increased hostility among citizens. You know anything about this? I bet you do. We all know about this. This past week, we experienced some of this coming apart at the seams right in our own building with an unusual incident that happened related to our shower ministry in the basement of the Halls building. I hope you know and I hope you can celebrate with us that every week now we are offering hot showers in our renovated space in the basement. We have a schedule, and we have volunteers, and we're trying to serve God by helping the most needy get a hot shower and a little time and some clean undergarments and a warm place to sit for a bit. But this week, when I entered the hall's basement to check in and thank the volunteers who were there, Officer Debbie, who does security for us, greeted me as usual from across the room. Hello, Pastor. I said, hey. Then one of our guests who had just gotten out of the shower had uh, finished and was sitting there and he looked up at me inquisitively and he said, are you the pastor? And I said, yeah. 
which initiated an initial and casual conversation among the two of us. He asked me if I read and spoke from the good book every week. I said, every Sunday. And then he asked me about our church and how many people come to worship, and I didn't think about how many people might be here this Sunday. (laughs) But I told him about all the things we're trying to do as a church family, and I told him we were glad we could have a shower for him, and I told him that we want him to know that God loves him and reaches out to him, extends grace around him. We had a nice conversation. And then I came upstairs to attend a meeting, and not long into the meeting, there was some ruckus occurring down in the hall's basement, and pretty soon after that, Officer Debbie came upstairs and reported that she had to throw somebody out of the building. In fact, as she put it, she had to put hands on him and ban him from ever coming back. Our guests The one I had a conversation with, so interested in the Bible and so interested in this church, had gotten aggressive and had gotten violent even with some other guests and with Officer Debbie, which called forth her best training as our security officer. Now, I understand there's likely some mental health issues going on here, but it's also a reminder of how we all are. We can easily fall back into the old ways, all of us, the worldly ways. We can all do this. We take matters into our own hands. We allow the worst to come out. All of us can do this. We assume confrontation is better than compassion. We assume that aggression is more helpful than agape love. We assume that selfishness and turf wars get us more. We assume that meanness is more appropriate than kindness. It happens to all of us. There's so much evidence around our culture that we keep staying stuck in the old ways. It's more about individual rights than the common good. It's more about securing what we have than sharing with everyone. It's more about taking than giving. More about greed than grace. See, back to the story, Jesus fills the old stone jars set aside for purification and Jewish rites, and he turns the water into wine. The old ways don't work. The old ways are empty. Jesus does this to show again new wine and the new way that he keeps calling us to. Jesus' way. Jesus comes with grace and truth to inaugurate the new reign of God in our midst, a way of grace and truth for us that overflows, that is so quality, good, and abundant, more than enough, this new way that brings peace with justice and joy with hope and light over darkness and all the other things that God intends for us and all people. How open are we to Jesus' new way? Or are we stuck in the old, the oppressive, 
the regressive, the selfish, the closed. Jesus comes to bring new life and life in abundance through love, through care, through outreach, through help, through kindness, through peace. New wine intends to point us to new ways, the Jesus way, the Jesus way. And then the final sentence of this passage is striking. The final sentence, do you notice what happened in the end? It says, These, this was the first of the signs, and it happened in Cana of Galilee. And then it says, and they believed. They believed. They put their trust in him. Those who saw this miracle get on the Jesus way. That's the important ending of this little story. Can we do that? Can we see Jesus in our midst? in the people we meet, in the circumstances where we find ourselves. So can we see Jesus in our midst and put our trust in him and then become the kind of people that Jesus keeps calling us to be, full of grace and truth? How much does our fractured and divided world need this? We put our trust in him and we keep striving with God's help to be the, the loving, serving, listening, peaceful people of God this is our ongoing daily endeavor. This is our ongoing calling. It's like breathing. It's like walking. We have to keep pursuing it, tending to it, to become more and more the loving, serving, caring people of God. And then today, this day, as we keep on this journey, this calling has a particular focus Guns and gun violence. Guns and gun violence are certainly part of the old way. The old way. And Jesus keeps calling us anew. Can we find new ways to live as God's people in our violent and our dangerous world? Can we not get better laws and a more safer society? Can we let go of the old way? Guns and their seduction and follow Jesus on a new way. We have real work to do, especially work following the example of Martin Luther King Jr. We remember Martin this weekend with gratitude and we all are called afresh to pledge our lives amidst the stressed ambiguities in which we live, pledge our lives to dream as he did, to walk the walk, to talk the talk toward God's promised reign, the new way. This is our ongoing work. We're called to go that way together. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise, to commit our lives. Like Martin, like so many other servants, to loving and serving your peaceful purposes, well, that is to abide forever. We seek that way, following Christ our Lord. Amen.